And we're live. Welcome to Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs. My name is Mustafa Husseini, and I'm your host. At Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs, we share tips, strategies, and advice that you could use and apply to your business and boost your confidence on a daily basis. And the tips and advice and strategies could be from different on different areas of your business, whether it's your sales and marketing, finance, mindset, you name it. We have guest experts that will share with you tips and actionable advice on different areas. I have an amazing guest today. Uh, please welcome Mitch Russo. Welcome, Mitch. Hey, Mustafa. How's it going? Very good. Good to see you again, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. So our topic today is pushing past failures to pivot to success. Did I get that right? Pushing past failure to pivot to success. Yes. So that's absolutely. our topic. It is. And that's what we're going to talk about. So during the show, we're going to be given uh, in the following weeks, we're going to be giving away gifts for you to enter the draw. If you like, subscribe or comment on the show as we uh, go through and talk about um, the, the topic. If you subscribe to our channel on uh, different social media channels, if you watch it live or later and or if you ask a question while we're talking or if you tag a friend who could benefit from the topic of the conversation, you enter your name into the draw for the gifts that we're going to be giving away. Now, uh, let me do the proper introduction with Mitch. And we're going to get into his story. And he's got a ton of knowledge and experience to share with us. So Mitch, meet Mitch Russo, who started a software company in his garage, sold it for eight figures, and then went on to work directly with Tony Robbins, the man himself, and Chet Holmes to build a $25 million plus business together. Nominated twice for Inc. Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year, Mitch helps companies scale rapidly. Uh, Mitch's first book is The Invisible Organization, How Ingenious CEOs Are Creating Thriving uh, Virtual Companies. And he's here with us today with his new book called Power Tribes, How Certification Can Explode Your Business. Welcome, Mitch. Yes, thank you, Mustafa. It's great to be here with you. So where about are you right now? I'm in Sarasota, Florida at a mastermind, a live mastermind uh, among live human beings, no masks. I know it's blasphemous, right? But but uh, it's it's such a, it feels so good to be here. I personally have been vaccinated, so I feel safe. Uh, and I know that most of the room, if not all of the room, had been tested before we came in. So it's it's a pretty enclosed bubble here. And um, it's not that big. It's It's a small group as well. Fantastic. Fantastic. I, I love masterminds. So um, next time you do it, uh, try to sneak me in and in there. <laughs> oh, you got it. I get you an invite and you'd love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love, I love hanging out with smart people. There's like usually so much that would transpire through masterminds and putting our minds to, together. Yep. I always call it our minds is our minds are like the greatest asset that we have. And when, Minds come together. One plus one is not two anymore. It's like five or it could be 10. So, yep. And my calendar is probably already full for the next month with follow-up calls uh, and meetings from all these incredible people that are here. So it's been a great experience so far. Love it. Love it. And so, can, and I, and I cannot wait to get back to um, face-to-face -face meetings and masterminds. Me 
anyway, so let's get back to our topic. Mitch, tell us about your story. What is your story? Well, sure. So, you know, again, um, I my story really is a little different than most people, or, or maybe not a lot of people, but most people probably were not addicted to heroin in high school. So uh, let's, let's start there. Um, and you talk about a pivot. I mean, uh, uh, I, I had a, a, basically a drug addict. I, I was a drug addict. I had a drug addiction and I had to get my, find my way out. And I, I there's a, I, my whole keynote is about this. So I'm not going to get into this part of it, but I will tell you this, it wasn't easy. Uh, but I did finally get to the point where I was able to 18 months, I recovered, but here's the interesting thing before you say poor Mitch, I want you to think of it from a different perspective. I was only 18 years old. I was clean and sober. I was completely focused on being an adult. I had all of the intentions lined up to go out there into the world and make something of myself. Now, compared to my friends, they were still smoking pot in their mom's bedroom. And, and basically their side hustle was de delivering newspapers or some other menial job. So this is really a blessing. And that's how it turned out for me. It started as it started as a tragedy, ended up as a blessing, as almost all blessings do in my life. And then from there, I went on and had some great work experiences. But the real significant thing I did is I, I learned business um, by starting a rock band in high school. I know it sounds a little silly, but I had a purpose. Starting the rock band got me uh, the ability to pick up more girls. Because you see, I was a skinny guy. I was kind of small and I didn't play a lot of sports and, and I, uh, I got to tell you, it was, it was a great strategy. So I was a strategist at 16 years old uh, and I, I figured out how to get the band to the point where we were the highest paid high school band in the area, making $500 a night in 1970. Does, you know, translate that into today's dollars. It's like that was five pretty million bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, practically one Bitcoin. I mean, come on. Uh, it's, it's, it was a lot of money back then. Uh, but what happened was I learned these core things about business that later when I was 28 years old and I met, uh, I met a confrontation. I can, I had a problem and I couldn't figure out how to solve it. Uh, and so I had breakfast with a next door neighbor and we talked about the problem. And to my shock and surprise, he came up with a solution about six weeks later and I look at this thing and I go, we could build a company around this because he had no idea what I was talking about. He, and frankly, I don't know what I was doing even saying that because I had never built a company before either other than shoveling snow as a kid. But I, I said, you know, this is my time. This is it. I see it in front of me. The whole, it was like in 3D, the whole thing just materialized for me instantly. And so we built a company. But, but what happened was, is that we worked six months to solve a problem that did not exist six months later. So we, we basically created software to keep track of time IRS so that we could deduct our back then personal computers that were non-tax deductible because they were toys according to the IRS. The only loophole was that if you kept contemporaneous records of usage, that means you kept a log, you could then deduct your computer. That's the software we invented. That's the software we built. We both quit our job on Friday and on Monday, the IRS changed the rules. So now we, of course, through fits, anger, uh, tossed things around the room for a little while, uh, considered going out, getting drunk, but we said, we'll do that later. 
what we then said is, what can we do with all of this great work that we did? What do we really have? And here's what we had. We had a time tracking engine. How do we use this? Who else needs this? So we started asking, my partner and I started asking ourselves questions. Well, this, this, I mean, we're, we're like, as you know, the old phrase, uh, we burned the boats. I mean, both quit our jobs. We have no other income. I mean, look, I got to tell you, I had some savings. So did he. We literally had planned on starting that company Monday and that opportunity was now gone. So what we did is we discovered that there's a whole segment of the pop professional population that keeps track of time. And so we started doing research in how do lawyers keep track of time? How do accountants, how do consultants, how do architects keep track of time? And then the billing system all in three months on top of the work we'd already done. And that became time slips. Now, to be honest, if that other program would have ever launched, it would have failed because it was a stupid little thing. Nobody really would have cared except me. Uh, and we might have sold a few of them. Uh, where to fast forward to the end game, by the time we sold time slips, we had 250,000 customers. So we pivoted into something successful, not even knowing that we would or did. But here's the way the universe works. We first had to fail in order to discover the place to go with the, with, the, with the technology and the product that we had developed, or else we could have never gotten there. We're not lawyers. We don't know how, what lawyers do to keep track of time. But once we had a time tracking tool, then we discovered that there was a need in, else, in other places. Make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 and I'm guessing as, as a seasoned entrepreneur and business owner, you have a lot of stories to share with us about big failure stories. And, and I mean, you shared a few here. Uh, what is like your biggest failure story and um, what did you do? What was the situation like for you? Well, I have to say, um, probably the biggest failure story was when I sold my software company and got paid a lot of money, um, I all of a sudden thought, well, look, I mean, look, I just did what many, many, many entrepreneurs are striving to do. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm basically a genius, right? I mean, after all, I'm, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I sold a company. I'm a genius. I know everything now, right? <laughs> well, again, uh, the universe has a way of, of putting you in your place as well as well as teaching you. So I went and invested, oh, probably half a million dollars into, I would say 10 to 12, maybe 15 different companies. And then the dot-com bust arrived in March of 2000. And with the dot-com bust went Mitch's fund bust. So I lost all of my money in a matter of 90 days. And I would say financially, that was probably the biggest the biggest failure that I had in one concentrated place. I've had several others, but that was financially the worst. So what happened next? What did you do? Well, you know, I, I, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> I mean, what I realized was that I had set aside this. What money. do you mean by that? I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. Well, well, I, I think being, being stupid is not knowing how to, not how to how not pick up the cues, you know, uh, being 
stupid is not responding to the environment. Being dumb is not being knowledgeable. So I was dumb. I was not knowledgeable. And I assumed I was. That's being dumb in my book. But being stupid would be doing it again <laughs> or doing it the same way again. Uh, and I think that's what I meant by when I said that. But the bottom line is that I had set aside that money knowing mm -hmm. full well that if I lost it all, uh, I would have to be okay with that. And as hard as it was to swallow, I, I actually was okay with it. I wasn't happy about it. Uh, but then I, I, then on top of that, I suffered another financial setback. Uh, I, I uh, had to divorce. I had ended up in a divorce after 14 years of marriage uh, and lost another significant chunk of my net worth. Uh, and again, you know, again, this is life. I, I didn't like it, uh, but I still had enough to move me forward and get to the next level. And so really at that time in my life, um, that's when I met Chet Holmes. Now, not met him, but reconnected with him. Chet and I had been friends for many, many years. Um, uh, we, we stayed friends after I sold the company and we talked almost every week. And what we never talked about business. In fact, one thing we used to say all the time is, hey, man, wouldn't it be great if we could go into business together? Well, I went in one direction. He went in another. And then one day he called me up and said, hey, I have some I have some problems. Do you think you could help me? And I said, sure. And basically, without getting into the details of it, I solved his problems in about six weeks. And it basically came down to, to basically doing what I would call standardized business functions, like recruiting. So I was able to step in. Uh, I was able to relieve some of the pressure and tension between his team members. I was able to handle all of the recruiting for his sales force. So we tripled his sales force uh, and uh, we doubled sales in two, in six weeks. And, you know, again, that my goal was to help him. So I said, okay, buddy, you're done. You should be good from here. And he said to me, what do you mean? I said, well, you told me that you, this is what you wanted. So I did it. And I even picked somebody who could run it for you. So you're all set. Uh, and he goes, uh, I don't, no, no, that's not going to work that way. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, first of all, what am I going to do with this $18,000 check on my desk? I said, what, what it, why do you have a check? He goes, well, that's what you earned from the people that you recruited. You get a percentage of everything they sell. I said, well, that wasn't the deal. I didn't know that. I don't want your money. And he goes, look, uh, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to stop doing what you're doing. Uh, we're going to grow this thing continuously. So take the $18,000 and keep doing it. And I was at the time trading options. So I had actually time to do this. Uh, so I, I mean, I would get, I put my trades on in the morning. I'd monitor them side monitor and I could do the work. And so that's what I did. And I, I ended up helping build the, the Chet Holmes organization. I came in first as basically as, as a helping hand, then as a recruiter, then running, <clears throat> running the division and then starting three new divisions and then running the company. And that's when we got introduced to Tony Robbins. So Chet tells before, me that he, uh, Mitch, before we go to, to Tony, uh, yeah. Tell us about who uh, Mitch is and what does he do? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Chet Holmes, tell me about him. Um, the people that don't know him, what does Chet Holmes do? Okay, so so Chet what Holmes. What did he do? Yeah, Chet Holmes died, as you know. Uh, he wrote a book called The Ultimate Sales Machine, maybe one of the greatest marketing books I've ever read. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not just saying that because he's my friend. Uh, and I, I believe someone told me my name is mentioned in it three times because I think he used me as a testimonial many, many times over. Um, but, but the bottom line is that Chet was one of the most, the smartest 
and one of the most aggressive business people I've ever met. Uh, when he started calling on me as a salesperson, he never gave up. He had something that he wrote about called pig-headed discipline. And boy, did he have pig-headed discipline. He never gave up when it came to trying to close me as a client. And in fact, eventually, a year, almost a year and a half later, I did buy ad space from him. I, I negotiated a killer deal. I got like a double page, four color spread for the price of one black and white. And um, we ran that ad and it blew the doors off my company. It was unbelievable the effect of this one small, this one series of ads in a magazine called California Lawyer, which had a circulation of about, at the time, maybe it was 125,000. But it was such a focused magazine and so core central to my, you know, my market that, and the ad was like, Beautiful. The ad was produced by a Boston agency. And I mean, they were way more than I could have afforded, but I did it anyway. And it really worked. So now we become really good friends. And before I know it, Chet's flying out to see me, taking me to dinner. I'm flying out to California. Uh, and together, we both meet in Vegas and gamble together and, and, and have all kinds of fun, guy kind of fun that guys do. And, and then, you know, we have the sporting events and strip clubs, all the stuff we used to do when we were young. Uh, and then, but the bottom line is that we, we ended up building a very deep friendship. And um, later uh, when he was in trouble and he called me, it was without hesitation, I would jump in and help him. So Chet was a master at business. Uh, he created, to this day, are echoed by, by thousands of business people all over the world. And most of those are in his book. So the book's name was The Ultimate Sales Machine? Exactly. And that's the book that has like a kind of a reddish cover, isn't it? I think so. I don't I don't have I, it in front of I, me. I think it is it is on my list to read. You'll have to introduce me to this guy. I would uh, love to have a chat with him. Well, he's dead. Oh, is he? Chet Holmes is he's dead. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's what that's uh, it's okay. I mean, that's why what happened was when we met Tony and decided to work together and build a company together, uh, it was the three of us. And, and we started as a base with what Chet had done. Uh, but we then added Tony and some of Tony's intellectual property and Chet's intellectual property and my knack for systems and, and the creation of, 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 of systems and leadership. So I became the president and CEO and Tony and Chet were the voice of the company and had created most of the content for the company. Well, we were doing incredibly well. We started out advertising on radio, maybe a couple of thousand dollars a week. Well, by the time we got to our peak, we were spending 125,000 a month on radio ads and we were monetizing it like crazy. We were doing incredibly well and we were, we were bringing people into a webinar. We were selling seats in the webinar. We had a 40% close rate in the webinar into a $4,000. We then, from that relationship, after selling that $4,000 product, we then had, and remember, it started with a $239 sale as a webinar seat. Lifetime value of every customer was $11,200. So we had nurtured that client. We, by the time we were done, we were selling an average of seven different services to that client. Very interesting. Um, 
what is a typical day like for you these days? Well, um, you know, uh, I, I like to take care of myself, basically. And what that means is that I don't start work till 11. Uh, and on a long day, I work till six. Uh, and I only really work. I only take calls three days a week. Uh, but I will work on on the fourth day to catch up and and do whatever other things I couldn't do on the first three. But I generally don't take calls. Uh, and then Fridays is off every Friday. So I have a three-day weekend every weekend. Um, I'm not always off, off, but I, I, I leave myself that time. Uh, I meditate every morning. Uh, I used to go to the gym every morning when gyms were open and they're starting to reopen now. So I'm hoping to restart that. But I do live in the most beautiful place in the second most beautiful place in the world. Some people would argue I live right. I live uh, south of Palm Beach on the coast. So my apartment overlooks the ocean and I wake up every morning to the sunrise over the ocean. And oh, it's it's basically heaven. So for me, uh, I live in my ideal place. Um, I have very much an ideal life uh, with the exception of what COVID has done to all of us. I mean, I have a daughter in Boston. I can't see her. And we both, you know, we FaceTime all the time, but we're both really dying to get together. Mm -hmm. um, and so I miss her terribly. Uh, and my mom lives 17 miles away. She's 87 years old. And, uh, you know, I try to spend time with her when I can, and I see her every week. Uh, so I, I feel like I have a semi-retired life. But here, here's the problem, Mustafa. The, the mind never stops. Uh, my mind is constantly creating new things. Um, my why is to find a better way. So I can't help the way my mind works. When I see something, my mind immediately goes to find a better way. So, mm -hmm. so last year, uh, when I was, I've been working with my coaching clients, and I realized I had five applications open on my screens. I had, I had a word processor. I had a spreadsheet for goal tracking. I had a calendaring system. I had Evernote. I had uh, Zoom open. I mean, I had all these things going on on two different monitors. And by the end of the session, I'm sitting here trying to consolidate all this information to send out an email. It's taking me almost as long as my session. So I decided to invent a solution. And I did. And so right now, it's just, it's not ready for prime time. It's in the final stages of beta. Uh, and it will be ready by March 7th. And the name of the software is Clientfolio, with the I-O being the agent. So clientfol.io. And, you know, again, um, anyone could go and sign up for a free trial. It's a 14-day free trial. But, you know, the problem I was trying to solve is that most, most of the co coaching software that I try to work with has basically one of two problems, and usually both. It's complex. And it's expensive. So for me, complex means if it takes more than 10 minutes to learn, it's complex. Yeah. Uh, and my software comes with a 10-minute training video. And that's all you need to do to learn how to use the complete system. And as far as expensive goes, I was willing to pay $129, $169 a month for great coaching software. But I said, you know what? That's not what we'll afford. So I'm going to release this at $19.97 a month. And that's how we set it up. That's what we're doing. And uh, we're doing a, an official launch on March 7th. 
Very nice. Now, I made a couple of notes here. Number one is to visit Mitch when I can and uh, explore your heaven down there. Um, you know, up here, it's like a, a, a winter heaven mm -hmm. up in Canada. But down there, you guys get some more sun than we do. So yeah, uh, if I'm down there, I will definitely stop by to, uh, you know, grab coffee. Sure. I, I love, love the ocean and all that. And so um, the question, mm -hmm. what are some of the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make around taking care of themselves? Because you seem to to be taking care of yourself pretty well. What are some mistakes that entrepreneurs make? Well, let, let's think about this together. I mean, um, when when you were younger and you were just starting out, did you really put any limits to the amount of hours you worked? No. I still don't. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I mean, I do. I mean, I do it because, it, and, and it's, don't get me wrong. It's not like I am like so organized that every night I have all of these wonderful activities to do. Sometimes I just literally need to uh, have my girlfriend come by, maybe pour a glass of scotch, maybe sit on the porch, watch the sunset, and then maybe cuddle on the couch and watch some TV. It's not that complicated. And I don't need a lot to really enjoy my life. But what I do know is that if it's dark out and my computer is still on, it's time for me to think about shutting it off. Now, the only real exception to that is that I have a team in India. Um, they, they are on a whole different schedule as me and um, they're incredible people. And sometimes I do need to work with them past my normal business hours because they're on different time zones. But that's really just about the only exception. Got it. So what do you do now and who do you serve? Well, on one hand, I still work every day, every one of my, my non-off days, I'm still working with clients. And the reason this is because I, I just love seeing a person's life and business change in, in, in sometimes as little as a few months. Uh, on the on the low end, I call that the low end. These are my one day programs. They take two months. I meter them out at a time, um, and I work with folks on whatever it is that they need. During COVID, I was able to hip, I was able to shift many keynote speakers from stage to online to revenue in five days, and so that became a fun thing to do for a while. I still do that too, but my big thing is power tribes. Now, let me quickly explain this. When I built Time Slips Corporation, I discovered something. I had no idea that it was a thing. <laughs> we basically had figured out a way to build certification as a way of growing the business. Now, what we were able to do is we were able to certify our very top best clients. We were able to charge them every year. We were able to enable them to sell our products. Uh, we, were we enabled them also to, uh, to charge for their own sessions. And we invited them to all of our public events. Uh, and so what we ended up doing is two things. Number one, we generated over a million in revenue uh, from our certified consultants just in enrollment fees every year. And that was pure profit. Uh, and then <clears throat> the second thing we did is build our third largest sales channel without even realizing that was gonna happen. And then the third thing that we did, and this may be the most important, is we built a culture of incredible individuals 
who I would say, I, I loosely use this word, I would say we loved each other. This was not like having employees. My certified consultants were my second family. Hmm. These were people who we would do anything for each other. And I have, in cases to support a certified consultant, I'd get on a plane and fly to their city if that's what they needed because they were so important to me and I wanted them to win. And, and when I sold the company, everybody was happy for me except them. They were angry because hmm. they knew that the new buyers would probably never treat them the way I did. But um, that for me was an incredible experience. And so is that, uh, does that relate to, um, you, you talked about uh, certifying people and that's, uh, I think that related to your new book, The Power Tribes, How Certification Can Exploit Your Business. It is. And the, the power, so, yes. So is that book like a result of your, uh, what you might call experience in building teams and certifying people and, and all yep. that? Alternate sales channels, teams, certification programs, coaching programs. I mean, after doing all of that for all the years that I have, I decided to create a blueprint book called Power Tribe. Uh, you know, does it have everything I've ever learned? No, it's a book, but it has enough in there so that people can really get a good start on their own. And one of the things I do in the book is I give out my email address and say, hey, got a question? Send me an email. I have, and I answer emails all the time from people who read the book. Uh, and I love doing that. Um, but the bottom line for me is that I really want to build power tribes. I want to build certification programs. Now, in all honesty, it's a high ticket program. But the ROI is so powerful. The, 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 the business proposition is so strong that if you're the right type of company, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I mean, if you have the right type of goal, you would invest any amount of money to get there. Uh, as an example, like the, in January, I just signed up for 25 grand worth of coaching in three months. And my buddy was like, oh my God, 25 grand. And you gotta, you gotta understand in Canadian dollars, that's like 3 million bucks. <laughs> and, and so I signed, I kind of called up a couple of coaches that I knew could help me. I signed up, I called them up. Hey, I need you to help me with this thing. How much? It's 18 grand done. The other coach, how much? It's a, you know, eight grand done. And then my buddies are like 25 grand in three months. I'm like, yeah, if you want like a million dollars or $2 million in a year, 25 grand, it's like peanuts compared to. Well, what, exactly. And what, what, what happens when you bring in a coach is two things. Number one, you compress time. So instead of taking a year or two to get to a certain place, failing on and off along the way, you bring that down to, as you said, three months. You just get boom. The other thing that you're buying is you're buying the experience of someone who's done it before. So mm -hmm. my tip is if you ever want to hire a coach, never hire somebody who's never done what you did, what you need to do before, and usually multiple times. Yep. So that's why, I mean, I've turned clients away because I have not done what they needed me to do. So I had one guy come to me with a chain of retail enterprises. They were very cool people. I really liked them. I gave them some free advice and I said, look, bottom line is that I, I can't help you. I've never grown a retail chain store before. I have an idea of how to do it, but I don't want to waste your time, let alone your money. So here's a guy who's done it five times and in fact founded a company, built it to 200 stores and sold it. Here's your coach, not me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's really, you know, among coaches, we do that all the time for each other because we we kind of know that 
when the right opportunity comes along, our coach friends will refer us for it. So if somebody comes along and says, well, I'm thinking about building a coaching program or a certification program, oh, you should speak to Mitch. Mitch does that all the time because that's my experience. And that's what everybody should think about before they hire a coach. Yeah. And then the only thing I would add to that is um, don't get cheap on hiring your coach because exactly. getting cheap on that is going to actually cost you a lot more. Right. The money that you're investing and the money that you're not getting that you're supposed to or the business or the outcome that you're supposed to build. That's right. Um, absolutely. What's your experience with coaching, Mitch? Um, well, I've had coaching uh, well, I, I've coaches had, that you hire to help you out. Yeah. I've at times had as many as three coaches at a time. Uh, and uh, some of them are, you know, not business. Like I, for example, I had a nutrition coach. Uh, I, I had a trainer, a physical trainer to help me get, you know, really enhance my body. Uh, I had a, uh, mastermind coach. I, I paid for an expensive mastermind coach who taught me how to run masterminds. Uh, I've had um, strategy coaches that opened my mind to strategies that I have never really explored before in areas that I had never looked. So uh, in one case, I worked with a coach for about 60 days and I was able to double my revenue within three months after working with and, and there again, it was just a matter of, well, you know, the information I simply didn't have, and he did. And not only did he share it with me, but he helped me navigate the potholes so I didn't fall into them. And that was super important. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean when you write with the, work with the right person that has the experience, results could happen in as much as three months. And I, and I just recently, uh, I came across the book 12 week year mm -hmm. and the goal is to accomplish your year's goal in three months. Yes. That's Todd, you, Todd Herman's book. Yes. Is Todd Herman? Yeah. That's Todd Herman's book. No, it's some, no, it's someone else's, someone else. 12 week year. Um, Todd Herman has a, has a similar topic, the 90 day year or something. Okay. But this uh, guy is, he's uh, the author is Brian something. Or okay. Ryan, something. Anyway, so do a one-year goal in ninety days, and I, I was fascinated by that. And then, if you try to do something like that, you definitely need support. Mm, so right? true, so true. And well, you need you need more different types of support. I mean, if if you're about to do a sprint like that, then you need nutritional support. You need sleep support. You, I mean, you need physical help in terms of getting your body uh, fine-tuned. I just came out of a presentation with a guy who has a drip bar. I mean, he literally is now franchising these bars where you go in for 30 minutes and you take intravenous vitamins. And the results are astounding, so some of the results he was showing during the presentation. I mean, if I had one of those near me, I think I'd be there every week at a minimum. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like without the right type of support, it, it's almost impossible. Right. And then it's, it's like, so one of the things that I notice is people set a goal and they're like, oh, I'm so ambitious about this goal. And they go, they start doing it on their own. They try to figure all, figure it all out on their own and it doesn't happen and they fail and they're like, oh, I feel like a, you know, failure and, and they feel miserable while, while they could have gotten support. True. And accountability. Mm -hmm. either uh, i mean from someone that has done it before to just make it a lot easier faster more efficient and, and, you know 
the whole the whole thing on that. Yep. Um, well, after- imagine just another example. Imagine um, you know trying to learn how to dance without a dance instructor. Learn. Imagine trying to learn a foreign language without a, without a language teacher. I mean, it's just natural. Us human beings are designed to to rely on one another for the help we need and to provide the help we need to others. Absolutely. Uh, another analogy I bring up is people say, I'm going to do it on my own. And I said, you know what else you could do on your own? You could try to build a Mercedes. Hmm. You could, but it took them 200 years to build what they're building now. Right. It'll only take you 200 years, <laughs> but well, you still you can't do it. it. <laughs> well, you're more optimistic than me. I, I give you 200 years. You still couldn't build me a Mercedes, I bet. Probably not. <laughs> Nor would I try. Yeah. So, um, Mitch, uh, you uh, you have agreed to um, generously share share your book, The Three Simple Ways to Get Free Publicity and More. Can you tell us about your um, yeah. book there that you're sharing with us? Yeah. Well, the reason I wrote this book is I actually wrote it initially as a shortcut for my clients because I found that I was teaching the same three things over and over and over again uh, and wasting their time and frankly, boring myself to death. So I instead decided to write it all up and put it into a nice looking book and give it away. And the idea behind giving it away is that it's part of a bigger series. Uh, But these three tips are probably some of the, I think the three smartest strategies for growing and building a company that I've used over the years. And in short, what they are is being a guest on other people's podcasts, like I am today. Mm-hmm. Uh, an- another strategy is using PR the right way, using press releases in a scientific way to get published and do it pretty much for free. And then the third thing, which you're very familiar with, Mustafa, is joint ventures and how mm-hmm. easy it is to do a joint venture if you use the formula that I share with you in the free giveaway. And so you're you're sharing how it's done in this ebook? I am. I'm not only sharing how it's done, I'm actually giving you the blueprint of the letters you need to send to potential partners. I'm also showing you what you need to have in order to do a joint venture. I love it. Gang, this is a very valuable resource if you're watching or listening later uh, either on social media or on our podcast i uh, put the link here in the show notes and in the comments uh, to go get uh, mitch's uh, free ebook three ways to get free publicity and exposure to for your brand yourself and your company and uh uh, how to get uh, jv partners how to get published on uh, uh, media outlets out there Mm-hmm. And a wealth of knowledge that he's sharing in that book, and it's free. So, click on the link and claim your book, and actually read the book. You know, yeah. I read a stat that says people don't ninety percent of people that buy a book never open it or finish it. That like they they read like the intro or the first couple of chapters and don't go, don't finish it. Well, if I don't personally, if I don't finish a book, I don't feel good about it. Even if I don't like the book, I, I tend to finish it because there's usually something uh, that helps me with my life or my business. And I learned this from Tony Robbins saying, if someone put 50 years of experience in a book and you can read it in a day or a week, right? 
you have their 50 years of experience in a week. And if Mitch is sharing his experience on, on how to get publicity and exposure and the rest of it for free, I would finish that book. If you're serious well, about your business. It's a short book, first of all. Second of all, I, I want to bring up a point, something related to what you said. And, and this is going to sound a little contradictory, but it's really not. Words don't teach. Action is what teaches. So you could read that ebook, and frankly, you may not do anything at all with it. And if you don't, you didn't learn a thing. You got some information. You'll forget about it in a week or so. But if you do it, you'll not only never forget it, but you'll actually get a benefit from doing it. So keep that in mind. If you don't do the things that you're reading about, if you don't take action, then in effect, it was worthless. Nothing works. Absolutely. And if you have any, if you have any doubts or questions about taking action, reach out to Mitch. And I'm sure he can help you with that. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Mitch, what are your top favorite books that have either made a massive impact on your life or you recommend to people to read all, all the time? Well, you know, probably one of the most pivotal books I read, uh, and these may not fit your mold of business books, but I'm going to tell them to you anyway. Sure. Uh, in, in 1999, someone gave me a copy of The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And I read that book. And it was it was like a mule kick in the side of the head. It actually moved me out of my body and mm -hmm. made me think from a completely different perspective. Uh, and it, it changed my life. It sent me down a rabbit hole that I never came back out of. Uh, and it was an incredibly beautiful and moving book. Uh, and of course, I mean, these sort of books may or may not have an effect on you the way they did on me, but that was for me a very powerful experience. Mm -hmm. uh, the other book um, that, again, is not necessarily a business book. It's a book about life, uh, and it's a book about philosophy, and it's a love story, and it's a story of bravery and perseverance, and that's the book called Atlas Shrugged. And if you've never read Atlas Shrugged, you are in for an amazing adventure. It's a very big book. But what it is, is it's possibly the best book, most beautifully written book I've ever read. And what it lets you do is see the world through a, the eyes of a woman who went through life in the Soviet Union before moving to the United States. Mm -hmm. And when she moved to the United States, she began to appreciate the freedoms that we once had back then. Uh, and, you know, amazingly, she saw the writing on the wall in the, in the 1950s. And if you read that book today, it sounds like it was written yesterday with all that's going on in this world. Mm -hmm. And I think it was written by, I don't, I'm not sure. Anne, if I'm Anne, Rand. Anne Rand. Yes. Yeah. And it's on capitalism, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Well, it's about the, the, the yes, capitalism is, is the core underlying philosophy of the book, but in a, in a beautiful way, not in an ugly way. It's, it's okay. really, it's really around, like for, for entrepreneurs, I feel it's essential reading because what you need to learn and what this book helps you understand is that you really only deserve what you create. So if you're in this world for handouts, if you elect a president so that you can get money from the government, well, let me tell you, nothing is free. Even though the money may be free now, 
but your freedom is no longer free. And that's mm -hmm. part of what we're all going through, 19, 1957, good. Uh, and that's what we're all going through right now. I mean, we're going through life in a way where we don't understand. I mean, I don't understand life in many ways right now. I don't understand a movement that says that, you know, going to college and what you learn in engineering school is racist. These things don't make sense to me. doesn't mean that I'm racist, or maybe it does. Uh, because if, if it means that mathematics should not be learned by people, I don't agree with that. And if that's racist, well, there you go. I, I believe mathematics is the core of all sciences and, and engineering. And I mean, do you really want to drive on a bridge when mathematics was, was banned from the engineering school that this person graduated from? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> so what's a... Uh, those are amazing books. I, I've read The Alchemist. I absolutely loved it. And it, it made me help. It helped me to pay more attention to a smaller details. Yep. yep. And the messages and the subtle messages that we're getting from our environment. Right. Amazing. And I couldn't put it put it down. It was one of those. Um, part of me wants to go read it again. And I, I, I think I will. And the Atlas Shrugged is on my list to read. What's a third book that you usually recommend or may have changed uh, your life? Well, you know, it's a recent book. Um, and uh, I, I love the book so much. I contacted the author uh, and we became we became friends. We got into a dialogue and we, we discovered that we had a lot in common. And I was thrilled to be able to spend time with him. Um, the book is called Humble Alpha. And it's by Stephen uh I can't pronounce his last name, Cruz or Krantz. And, and Stephen has this amazing way. You know, he was in the Marines. Um, he learned leadership and used it to lead people and lead divisions through hell and back. And they loved him for it. And when I understood the concepts of Humble Alpha, I realized that most leaders would really, really benefit from understanding them too. And so that's my latest favorite business book that I'm re recommending now all the time. Very nice. I'll put it on my list. And Very I'll good. Check it out. Now, Mitch, if you had an ad that everyone on the web could see, what would your message be? My message would be, an ad meaning something that I would use to promote myself. Is that what you're saying? Not to promote yourself. Your message for people of the earth. Well, my message is is really, really. I mean, I think very simple, and that is love yourself. Love yourself. Take care of yourself, because nobody else will. I mean, I mean, other people will love you, of course, but if you don't love yourself, then you are not lovable. Mm -hmm. And and if you want to be loved, first learn how to love yourself. If you are broken and stay broken, you will attract broken. If you love yourself and you see yourself as a spiritual being in, uh, having a physical experience and understanding that nothing is permanent, even disaster is not permanent, then you will attract people with the same basic philosophy and you'll have a much happier life. Mm -hmm. So I shed negative people. Uh, I can smell uh, uh, negativity and pessimism a mile away. Uh, I, I had a friend who was subtly gaslighting the people around him. I don't know if you know what gaslighting means. No. Uh, 
But gaslighting is 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 making people think they're crazy by challenging the beliefs that are visible to them. An example of gaslighting, um, a real life example is uh, many years ago, I asked my, my alcoholic wife if she had picked up the dry cleaning and she said, yeah, it's in the car. So I went down to the garage, I opened the door and there's no dry cleaning there. So I came back into the house and I said to her, where's the dry cleaning? You told me it was in the car. And she said, no, I didn't. I said, just a minute ago, you told me that the dry cleaning was in the car. She goes, no, I, I never said that. That's gaslighting. And unfortunately, this, this is, and it could be even more subtle than that. That's pretty obvious. But we have to be aware of that because we start to challenge the integrity of our own beliefs and thinking when people around us deliberately try to use this technique to erode our confidence in ourself. You know, shields up when it comes to that. Prevent it, get it out of your life, and move on. Absolutely. It's, it's very important to get negative people out of your life. And, and I've had that experience. I went through um, Darren Hardy's uh, book. Um, God, I forgot which one of his books. But he had a workbook where he, he, he got you to uh, list the top five or six people that you hang out with. Yep. And then he, the next part was uh, mark the people that you should not have uh, in your life anymore. It mm -hmm. was a tough exercise, but when I marked them as this person should not be there because they're negative, yep. and they're not really helping. Uh, it was a scary move. It's mm -hmm. like, oh my God, this is my friend. I know him. What if I don't? And this, this is my brain and my brain going, what if I don't find another person to replace with? Those are scarcity mentalities. That's right. And God, when that person... And, and when I marked and marked him off on my on my on that sheet to get him out of my life, he automatically was out in a matter of two to three months. Yep. And it's yep. just life was so much easier without the negativity and the constant grind of you trying to do something positive and they, them going, um, you know, no, 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 don't do that or it's not going to work or they're not supporting you in any way, shape, or form. Right. So oh. it's called damning with faint praise. And what damning would faint praise says, so, so Mustafa, you come to me and say, hey, Mitch, I got this idea. I have this thing. It's going to be really great. And I said, yeah, it sounds like it might be okay. Well, where are you going to get the money? Uh, who's going to buy it? You really think they'll buy that? That's what, that, that again is a form of, of negative thinking. And on top of that, what I'm really, what, what it sounds like I'm trying to do is dissuade you from following your dreams. And I, I suggest you run when that happens. And I oh, mean, but, but recognize it as fast as you can, because if you, if you somehow don't recognize it, it can suck you in. Absolutely. Mitch, this has been an absolutely amazing conversation uh, with your wealth of knowledge and expertise. And as a seasoned entrepreneur, I, I feel like we could go on for hours and hours and it would still be interesting and I would still have questions for you. So I would hope that I would have you back uh, on the show maybe later this year or next year and, uh, you know, keep, keep exploring and, uh, you know, tapping into your uh, wisdom and knowledge. Uh, and so people could, could get more and learn more from you. Um, is there anything that you would like to add that we haven't talked about? The only thing I, not really. I mean, the only thing I would say is that take the long view. Um, don't give up. Don't fall fall uh, victim to shiny objects. Uh, if you're gonna look, work on something, commit to it. 
And if you if you aren't going to stay with it, get out of it fast. Uh, but if you if you stay on the road and you make some mistakes, it's okay. Pivot. Get a, get a, go around the mistakes. Go around the blockages and and continue working on it. You know, it took me a long time to get my software company successful. Way more time than I thought it would. I didn't get a salary from that company for two and a half years. Well, you might think some people would give up. I mean, you're working two and a half years for free. You've exhausted all your savings. I mean, it might be time to give up. No, because it was literally at that time that the company exploded. So hang in there. Success is right around the corner. Absolutely. And it, and it takes time. Yeah. Some of the stuff, some of the stuff that I, I'm just noticing recently uh, is that when you plant a seed, it takes time for the, the tree or the flower to grow. It we does. cannot expect it sometimes, and depending on the type of, type of tree that you're planting, some seeds take longer to, uh, you know, flourish. Mm, so Give true. it time, right? Sometimes yeah. it takes a year or two. And, and as humans, we want things now. <laughs> true. <laughs> but it takes time. It's uh, just like you said, it's around the corner. So hang in there. Absolutely. I totally That's agree with that. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you and your your sharing your experience uh, generously, gang. If you haven't done so already, uh, get access to Mitch's free ebook: Three Simple Ways to Get Free Publicity Exposure for Your Brand and Your Business. I put the link here in the chat comments if you're watching on social media, and it it'll be in our show notes for the podcast. Now, one way that I help and our company we help. Um, business owners boost their confidence is by helping them simplify and consolidate what needs to happen onto a one-page marketing plan. This happens over, uh, over at the weekend three-day boot camp uh, called Simple Marketing Formula. The next round is coming up in February or March. The dates for February is February 19th to 21st, where we get together in a live environment with other business owners who are experiencing the same thing as you are. And build their one-page marketing plan that you could use on a daily basis. I'll put the link here in the chat box. Check it out and would love to have you there. And again, if you have any questions about what we talked about for Mitch and I, put it in the chat box or uh, send it to us and we'll get back to you on those questions. And if you like, subscribe, comment, tag a friend on any platform, you enter your, your name into a draw for a free gift that we'll be giving away. And uh, also, if you rate our show on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcast, and uh, tell us about your experience about the topics that we discussed here with Mitch or other guests that we have. Thank you very much. My name is Mustafa Hosseini. Thank you for joining uh, Daily Confidence for Entrepreneurs. And along with my amazing guest, Mitch Russo, I hope you have a great day, and we'll see you on our next episode.